Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 5. As we finish the chapter today, Hebrews chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, There's No Excuse for Spiritual Immaturity. No excuse for spiritual immaturity. And that's the context, really, of Paul's note here at the end of chapter 5 to these Jewish believers. Now, if we surveyed the room today, I'm not going to, but if I asked for those of you that are here and those listening in, if I asked this question, who here is spiritually immature, not many hands would go up. And one of the reasons is it's kind of an embarrassing thing to admit that you are stunted in your spiritual growth. Now, now it's one thing to be a new believer. So you might be a new believer here today and go, well, you know, I'm just starting out, so I'm not quite sure what I'm doing or where I'm going. That's different. That's where you're in the beginning stages of your Christian life. That's normal. But it's not normal for years to go by and for you to be in the same place you were when you were born again, spiritually immature. That's not normal. Just like you parents that have brought a baby home from the hospital, your hopes and desires and dreams is for that baby to grow up into maturity. I mean, one of the first things you're probably thinking as time goes on is, I can't wait till this kid grows out of diapers. For a lot of reasons, because you don't want your 16-year-old to still be putting diapers on. That's just weird. It's not right. It's true for us as believers. And we get to right to the heart of the matter here. It's not okay for us to be spiritually immature. That it's God's heart for you to grow. And he's given you all the resources, both internally, his abiding presence. I mean, think about it. God lives in you. And he's working in you both to do and to will for his good pleasure. All that you need internally, all that you need externally is available to you in Jesus Christ. You know, another reason why many of you wouldn't raise your hand, it's because you have been growing. And I commend you for that, that you have been embracing your relationship with God. You have been growing. You read the Bible now, you didn't used to. You pray now, you didn't used to. Like you've developed really good spiritual habits that you didn't have previously. You can look back and say, man, I've, made some, I've had some great victories in my life. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen God make, cause me to turn a corner and I've outgrown that spiritual immaturity in this area or that area of my life. And I have to say too that many times in your own evaluation of your spiritual life, you and I, we tend to be harder on ourselves than really even God is. And so there are some listening who think, well, you know, I want to be mature, and, and I don't know, I don't think I've grown as much as I really should. And, and this isn't meant to be a condemning time. God didn't send his word. He didn't send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn you or to condemn me. And what I like to do with those that might be really struggling with where you are spiritually, I just like to remind you, look how far you've come. I mean, it may, you may not be where you want to be right now, and there's that sense of growth. There's always that sense of a sacred spiritual desire to grow or a sacred spiritual discontentment that I want to be stronger in the Lord and I want to be used more. But, but I want to remind you of how far you've come. 
And it's good to thank God for how far you've come, for the changes that have taken place in your life, but also warn you that it's easy to stunt your own spiritual growth. And here in our section today, we'll see at least four ways that you can stunt your spiritual growth, four things to look for in your life today and every day. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God would have us to grow up and to add to our lives and add to our spiritual lives. Now, even though most of us would not respond yes to a question of spiritual immaturity, I know I won't, there is in a general sense in the body of Christ today a lack of spiritual growth, a a carnality if you will. It's not unusual because Paul would write to the church in Corinth and tell them, you guys are being carnal, you're being fleshly. You, you shouldn't be, you've been walking and living for Jesus this long, this kind of behavior shouldn't be named among you. And he actually uses the word carnal. He says, you're like, you're like living in the flesh, in your own humanity. You're not living like born again believers. And tragically today, churches are filled with people who are spiritually weak and slow in their spiritual growth. There are many immature, undiscerning, and fragile believers. Again, if you're a new believer, that's a place that you're gonna be. You're gonna start and you're gonna grow. But for most of us that have been walking with Jesus for a while, God desires us to grow up, to grow up in the things of the Lord. And the weakness of the church at large is a spiritual weakness. It's a matter of spiritual strength and lack thereof. And as we've learned many times before, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. It's always an internal thing that God is doing, not external. A yielding and surrendering of our lives and our wills and our homes to the Lord. Embracing the power of his grace and his goodness. Remembering that he's living his life through us and it's not on our shoulders that God wants to do a work as we yield to him. And so as we draw our attention to verse nine in chapter five of Hebrews, Paul is teaching on some heavy doctrines. He's laying before them significant truths and it's going to get more difficult. And this little section at the end of chapter five almost is like Paul saying, things are gonna get harder and I need to prepare you for them. Remember the theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater. You've got a group of Jewish believers that wanna go backward. They they aren't satisfied in their relationship with Jesus Christ, so they're looking for something else. And for them, they want to go back to their religious expression through Judaism, which really doesn't make much sense because if they come back to Judaism, Judaism is just going to point them to the Messiah they already believe in. It doesn't make much sense that everything that they need is found in Jesus Christ, just like you and me. And now while today the temptation of going back to Judaism isn't as significant, although it does, it does exist today, it's not as significant in our lives, there are many things testing us and tempting us away from the Lord and away from the deeper relationship that he's calling us to. And this next section is encouraging spiritual progress. 
a spiritual growth that's steady and strong. And so look, look at a few things. Let's look at a few things that reveal immaturity. So pick up in verse nine, it says, and having been perfected, he, speaking of Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, which we'll get, that's a, that's a deep doctrine, we'll get into that in chapter seven. Verse 11, of whom we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though, verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So for at least four things in this section that mark immaturity. Number one, immaturity is marked by a lack of desire for God's word. A lack of desire for God's word. That's really what he says in verse 11. He says, I've got much to say to you about high priest Jesus Christ from the order of Melchizedek. I have so much more, but it's hard to explain it to you guys because you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Lacking the desire to hear from the Lord. This is an important thing to look out for in your life. It's an important marker. What's your attitude toward the Bible? What's your attitude? Really, what's the heart of the matter when you comes to the Bible? And you could really answer that by how much time you spend in the Bible, how much time you read it. The Bible was given to us to read. And so you can, you can say uh, your desire for the Bible is directly related to how much you read it. Because God desires us not to be dull. You see, there was a progression in their lives, wasn't there? Remember back in chapter two? In chapter two, Paul had talked to them about their drifting. Then in chapter three, verse seven, he spoke to them about their doubting. And now here in chapter five, they're dull. Because a step away from God will always get worse until you repent. Like you just take one little step away from the things of God, you're gonna pay the price for that over time. And it's not gonna get better, it's gonna get worse. You start drifting away a little bit and you know, not taking things very seriously. Then you, it starts to mess with your head and you start doubting God, you start doubting his word. And then when you doubted God and you doubt, well now you don't even wanna hear it anymore. That's spiritually immature. I like how the New Living Translation translates this verse, it says, there's so much more we'd like to say about this, but you don't seem to listen. That's often a phrase that we have to use within biblical counseling and discipleship here, where you don't listen to what the Bible says. You just don't receive it. You might come in with a problem, you might come in with a difficulty in your marriage, in your life, and we open the Bible to you and, and you just don't wanna hear it. You're just so convinced it's the other person's fault, which it very well may be. It very well be the difficulty in the other person. But what's God doing in your life? What's God requiring of you? What's God requesting of you? You know, I can't tell you how many times people get so frustrated, especially in a marriage situation, where one of the spouses comes in and we start talking to them and they go, it's so bad, it's so good. And we stop them before they say is enough. I, we don't want to slander the, your spouse. I, I get it, it's hard. And, and then we begin to open the Bible and go, well, what about you? 
And we start talking about some of the things that came out. You know, it sounds like you're really bitter. Sounds like you're really, what, what's going on? And then you, you, you know what's going to happen. They go, oh, man, I didn't, no, I'm not the problem. What are you talking to me? I'm the one that's coming for help. And our answer to you will be, yeah, but man, you're the one that's in front of us. I don't have the chance to speak to your spouse. Maybe one day I will, but you're the one in front of me. And here's what the Bible says to someone in your place. It's because we just don't want to hear it. It happens another way here where someone will call the office and ask to speak with a pastor. And so they set up an appointment and they come in and they share their difficulty with one of the pastors. And man, you'll get a report at the pastor's meeting. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. And what happens during that week is the person didn't really like the counsel. So they'll call back and say, I need to speak with a pastor. And so, well, wait a minute. Didn't you speak with so-and-so already? Yeah, but I need to speak to another one. I'm like, all right, and we make another appointment, and guess what? The pastor says the same thing that the last pastor did. And, and it's, it's kind of more subtle than that, where they'll work their way through, and they'll find out who the pastors are, and they'll meet them after a service, and, and before you know it, they've gone through every single pastor, and hopefully every single pastor's told them the same exact thing. And so what are we dealing with? Spiritual immaturity, a dullness to hear God's word. Be careful of this in your life. It's not good. It's not good to resist the Bible and not even want to read it, not even be wanted in your life, not even taking it in. The most valuable, important thing that you can do in your life is read the Bible. It is a powerful tool in the hand of God. It's the most powerful external tool that you have is read the Bible. That's why we encourage you, read the Bible and pray every day. Read the Bible and pray every day. If it's a minute, if it's two minutes, if it's five minutes, it's not even about time. It's about effort and desire. And God will develop in you a habit and a desire and a hunger for his word. Like just read it. And what happens is, is that you start reading it, but then you get frustrated because you read the Bible with the intention of understanding every single thing that you read. And when you don't understand a few things, it just gets frustrating. He's like, what am I reading this for? I don't understand it. And I would suggest to you, when you're reading the Bible, and if I'm describing you right now, when you're reading the Bible, have a little notebook on the side of your Bible, and when you don't understand something, just write it down. Make a prayer list out of it, but don't let it frustrate you, because I've been walking with the Lord for 28 years, writing, reading, reading the Bible and studying it, I mean, in depth, like for the last 24 years, and there are still things I read that I'm like, I don't know about this one. It's going to take me some I don't know. I'm not sure what God meant in this. I'm not, and I know what all the opinions are, but I'm just not sure what God meant. And so it's just, hey, I'm going to set it aside. I'll need to pray on it more, maybe look up a few words and things like that. But God's not asking you to be a Hebrew scholar here. He's not asking you to know the Greek. He's just saying, read my word. Read my word. It'll change your life. Test me on it. Test me on it. This week, just make a decision to read the Bible every day, seven days a week, for 10 minutes a day. Just read it. Just open it up, start in the book of Psalms, and just start reading it. Just read through 15 minutes, 10 minutes a day. That's it. Just do that. And tell me if your life doesn't change at least one of those days. Go ahead and email me. If it doesn't change your life, email me. Here's the email address. You ready? Ian at Cal... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> email me. 
Because then you, if you email, I read 10 minutes a day, seven days, and it didn't change me. And, and I, I'll tell you how, I'm already gonna pre-write the email so I can copy and paste to anyone that emails me. I'm already gonna have the same answer. So tell me, what did you read this week? And you'll come back with whatever you read, and I'll see something in it, I'll pray over it, I'll see something in it, I go, isn't that a great truth about God? And then you respond, uh, yeah. You know, you won't do that in email because it doesn't let you do that in email, but yeah. And you'll see that it's not as difficult as you have made it out to be. All you need in life is the Bible and the Spirit of God inside of you. And he will lead you and guide you and teach you and illuminate this beautiful book that will change your life. That is God's promise to you. The Bible is alive and powerful and it changes lives. And so this is a sign of immaturity. You don't desire the word of God? That's an immature thing. Number two, another sign of immaturity is you lack the desire to share the gospel, to tell other people your story, the God story through you, where you're just not talking to people about God. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Basically he's saying this, by now you should be able to read an encyclopedia and explain it to people, but instead I still have to, sit, I have to give you the ABCs. Now learning the ABCs is important. We need to learn the ABCs, but we learn them for the intention of what? Putting words together, sentences together to communicate. We shouldn't be learning the ABCs our entire life. That there comes a point in our time, usually very young, where we've learned our ABCs. And we start to add words to that. He says, look, by now you should be teachers of the simplicity of things related to God. You should be able to tell other people what God's done in your life. You should be able to tell other people what you've learned. And if you have no desire to do that, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. This is so vital for us. A growing believer is a believer who loves God's word and shares what he's learned with others. Again, he's, not everybody has the gift of teaching. Not everyone belongs in the pulpit. Not everyone belongs teaching a small group. That's not what he's saying, that everyone should now function in that capacity. What he's saying is, with everything you've learned, why aren't you telling people about it? Why, why am I writing this to you? It's like, it's like saying, why are you guys in there? You guys need to see your condition the way God sees it. You're not as mature as you make yourself out to be. That's why you're drifting. That's why you're doubting. That's why you've become dull of hearing. It's not teaching as much as sharing your life with others. Here's what I've learned. This is what God showed me. Did you see this scripture? For, for the Hebrews, they had been Christ long enough that they should have been sharing by now. Should have been, and I, we tell new believers here, from the first things you should do as a new believer, read your Bible, pray, and tell somebody what just happened to you. Like right out of the gate, right where you're excited, good life change. And create the habit of telling others about what God's doing in your life. Talking about the scriptures, talking about what, you know, you've been in Bible study here, even just this one time. What one thing can you go off and share with somebody? Hey, you won't believe what, what'd you do on Sunday? I went to church and, well, what'd you learn? Man, I learned all about maturity and spiritual maturity. And, and you can share a lot of what you, what, what you were given today as you learn it for the very first time. And, you know, it, people say that when you start sharing things that you've learned, you learn it again. And it becomes solidified in your heart and in your mind. 
And that's a sign of immaturity when we're not talking to others about what God is doing in our lives. By now, you never want it to be said, by now, you should be teaching others. We never want it to be said of us, but rather to move forward in maturity. Number three, another sign of spiritual maturity here is a lack of desire for deeper things. Deeper things. Because notice what he says at the end of verse 12. He says, you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. It says babe, but I said baby. He's young. You expect your babies to grow up, and it's not a good thing for your babies not to grow up, to be stunted in their spiritual growth, in their physical growth. It's not good for us as believers to be stunted in our spiritual growth. Milk is good at an appropriate time. You know, milk is, it's, is pre-digested, so it's perfect for a baby. It's perfect for a baby. Baby has no teeth, can't chew on anything. The inwards are still being developed. So milk is an appropriate food substance for a baby up to a time. But there comes that time when you start to introduce solid food. And even as the baby's starting to grow teeth, then they can start to bite things and chew on things at appropriate times. And there comes a time in our lives when we as believers start to leave the milk, the simplicity of the gospel, the ABCs, the foundation of which we build our lives, and move on into maturity, and move on into understanding and grasping the word of God for others. Solid food. And solid food belongs to those that can move on from the simplicity of ABCs. And so Paul describes them as babes, as babies, still needing milk. Milk is for the believer is described as a beginner. This is for the beginning, the beginning of learning. But meat here describes the deeper understanding of Jesus, which he's going to talk about. We're going to learn about the high priesthood of Jesus Christ in heaven. You see, Jesus' ministry just wasn't on earth. He is still now, in this very moment, serving his church as high priest in heaven. It's a deeper understanding of the bigness and largeness of the Son of God's ministry in our lives. The meat of the word is learning and growing in our understanding of Jesus, his love, his grace, his mercy, deeper things. Now, let me caution you before we move on to the last point, because this phrase, deeper things, I want you to be careful for people coming to you and saying, hey, I, I want to teach you something deeper. You know, those guys at Calvary, they don't teach this. Those guys at First Baptist, they don't teach this. Down at the Methodist, they don't teach these things because it's deeper, and we found it, and we're the only ones that beware of anyone that would come to you like that. Because as one brother said, and I believe it to be true, if someone's teaching you a doctrine and they declare it to be something brand new, listen, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. I think it's great. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And so there'll be those that say, oh, you, won't, you wouldn't learn it at your church. They don't teach it right or whatever it might be. Listen, you do not need to lean on some man and some special teaching to be right with God. You have the Bible and the Holy Spirit, you go to town on it and let God teach you. Yes, he, he ordains pastors and teachers for sure for our equipping to mature us. But no pastor or teacher takes authority over the word, especially those that might want to take you under their wing and be your personal mentor and teach you things that no one else has ever taught you. Watch out for them. Watch out. 
This isn't something new either, you know, it's not just a 21st century thing. This happened in the first century. The whole book of Colossians was written to the church in the city of Colossae because there was a group that came in to the church known as the Gnostics. The word Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And this was a group of people that came in with what they called secret knowledge that nobody else knew about it, and you had to follow them, and you had to become one of them, and you had to forsake the church in, forsa- in order to learn this. And so what did Paul hears about it and goes, you guys reject them. They are not sent from God. And so when we speak of deeper things, we're not just gonna throw out the phrase because we can all go deeper in our study of God's word. But to use it in such a way where there's some secret thing that's never been learned, don't listen to that. Don't receive it, reject it. Number four, another sign of spiritual immaturity here is the lack of desire to obey God. Obedience, we see that in verse 14. It says, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Circle that phrase, full age, and right next to it, mature. That's what the word means. Solid food belongs to those who are mature. And he describes maturity as Those who by reason of use, what are you using? Back in verse 13, the word of righteousness. So not only are we reading the Bible, but we're doing the Bible. If you have no desire to do the things you learn in the Bible, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. If you are not quick to obey, and that becomes a pattern of your life, I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have, how many scriptures you've memorized. Uh, you know, it's, I've met people, I've read the Bible frontward. And, yeah, but man, bro, you don't want to obey it. Yeah, but I know it, but you don't obey it. But I know it. And you know where that's going to end? It's going to end with like, well, you just don't know, pastor. You just don't know. No, I do know. It says spiritual maturity is this. Solid food belongs to those that are mature. And who are mature? Those that use the Bible. And when you do, look what you get. When you, by reason of use, you have your senses exercised to tell the difference between what's good and bad, good and evil. Isn't that what you want in life? I want more of that. I want to choose the good and avoid the evil. And so when I obey God's word, I learn more and more what's good and what's bad. I learn to follow what's good, and you learn to follow what's good. I learn to turn away from bad. You learn to turn away from bad. How? reading the Bible, and doing it. The real meat of the word is putting it into action. It's not more knowledge. That's just a word of the Lord for someone. You think the meat of the word is just, oh, I know so much more than others. No, no, the meat of the word is putting that knowledge into action, right? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It edifies And so it's not a knowledge thing, it's an action thing. As we grow in Jesus, we begin to live his life through us. This is known as obedience, surrender, abiding, living in him, drawing from his resources. As we apply the word of God, we grow in our discernment and we're able to recognize the difference between right and wrong, to discern it. It's a sign of maturity. When you see more and more good happening in your life and you avoid more and more evil, so, so let me speak to the personalities that are listening right now, and even you guys listening in on the radio and online. Much of the Bible is pretty black and white. Have you noticed that? Much of the Bible 
is pretty black and white. So let me just ask, and I am gonna ask this, how many of you would describe yourself as a black and white person? How many of you? Yeah, a little more than the last service. And then, if you're not in black and white, you probably live in the gray area. How many of you describe yourself as a gray area person? So that's more me. I understand black and white, and I live that way, but I also see a lot of gray area in people's lives so that I want to train people how to discern right and wrong by obeying the word. That's how you get through the gray areas in life. So, so let me explain that, what that looks like. Here's a black and white issue. If you are here right now and you are thinking and plotting, because Thanksgiving's coming up, and you're thinking and plotting, you know, I wonder what God wants me to do because I'm gonna be heading over to Safeway and I'm stealing a turkey for Thanksgiving. And I wonder if, God, if I, God's okay with that. If I open the Bible to you, I'm not gonna be able to open up to one scripture anywhere in the Bible that says, you should not go to Safeway and steal a turkey. It's not in there. You can search and search and search, it's not in there. However, the subject of stealing, the Bible couldn't be more clear. And so I would take you to a place back in Exodus chapter 20. Thou shall not steal. So don't do it, it's black and white. It's black and white. But other things, the Bible leaves room for decisions to be made. For example, what movies should I watch? What music should I listen to? What clothes should I wear? You know, the Bible leaves room in those areas and leaves room for the work of his spirit and our own conscience. But see, guys, you have to be very careful in the gray areas of life. Because I'll speak to that maturity part of your life. If you tend to make decisions away from God in your gray area freedoms that you have, that's not a sign of maturity. But if you make your decisions toward God, toward holiness, toward righteousness, yes, you have the choice, yes. But if you're always emphasizing your freedoms to excuse your behavior, that's not a mature stance before God. It's like, but, but you know, I have the freedom to do that. I know, but freedoms in Christ are always limited by love. True agape love. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I like to put it this way. So I raised my kids and this is how I've taught our church. This is, this is a very important concept. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Just because you can, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say it. It says it's okay. Okay, so, so okay, you've made a biblical point. But just because you can, doesn't mean you should. You and I, we have to be careful in making our decisions that it might help us in our relationship with Jesus Christ and help others. You know, we host a live call-in radio program here. I get to do it two days a week. And I get a lot of calls about a lot of things. And many times the calls relate to things in the gray area. But you know, in all the years I've hosted, in all the years I've had the privilege to do this one and Gino's show, I've never had anyone call like this. Hey, uh, welcome so-and-so from Aurora, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Well, Ed, I've got this dilemma. And I just don't know. I, I know the Bible says it's okay, but I'm just not sure if it's a good idea. So I'll tell you what it is, Ed. I started growing this plant in my backyard. And it's growing. I got a couple of them. And I just felt the burden. It, they seemed to be ripe. And I felt the burden to go out, pick the leaves, and rub them all over my body. 
and I've rubbed them all over my body, but oh, man, now I'm itching and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm not sure that that's okay with God. And so like, what am I supposed to do? Because the Bible said I could grow it. It says that God has given me every herb of the field to enjoy. <laughs> Nobody's ever called like that. I hope none of you, I hope I don't get an email after service, Ed, I've done, I've done poison ivy all over my body. That was the, what I grew in my backyard. Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever does that. But the same thinking, I get a lot of calls with the same thinking as it relates, should I smoke pot? Should I grow it in my backyard, smoke it, and just enjoy it and live a free, carefree, high life the rest of my life, the mile high high, you know? <laughs> It's not good for you. And it doesn't matter what the law of the land says. What is God telling you through his spirit? You know, think about it, because I've had even people, you know, smoking joints and calling the show. And, and I, I like to talk to them. I said, well, wait a minute. If there was an emergency in your family right now and you just smoked a couple joints, can you hop in the car and go help them? No. Hopefully they wouldn't. You know, if you've taken three or four drinks and, you know, you say you're not drunk, but maybe, the, maybe you'll blow in, in that, that machine and you are, like, like are, you, are you always in a position of readiness and sobriety to be used by God? The gray areas are very important in our lives. This isn't some legalistic trip of a man telling you how to live. I'm challenging you to consider the gray areas of your life of how you might honor and please God. So let me give you eight questions to ask. I've developed this in another Bible study, but let me, if you're in the gray area right now and you're in the place where just because you can, just because you can, and you wanna learn how doesn't mean you should, here's eight questions to consider of whether you should do something or not in relationship to God. Number one, will this, about what you're about to do, will this help me honor God? If it doesn't help me honor God, I probably should dismiss it. Number two, will this sanctify me? That's a Bible word. It means to set apart. Well, what am I about to do? Set me apart to be more useful to God. Will it make me more useful? Number three, will this prepare me for every good work? Is what I'm about to do prepare me? Will, will it help me? Number four, will it build me up spiritually or will it tear me down? Number five, can it bring you under its power? Is what you're about to do, are you submitting yourself? You know, Jesus said, you're, if you present yourself a, a slave to sin, that's whose slave you are. So will it bring you under its power? If it does, you probably should dismiss it. Does it give you, number six, an uneasy conscience? So many bad decisions go against our conscience, our biblically uh, illuminated by the Holy Spirit conscience that we have. Number seven, and this is an important one. It could very well be number one, but this is an important one. Is what you're about to do, could it cause someone else to stumble? How much have you thought of others in what you're about to do? I personally take this very seriously in my life, in the role and position. I did as a new believer for my kids, but I take it very seriously as a pastor in my life. I think not only of you and all the struggles and all the things that you do, you, you look to me to be an example. I'm not a perfect example. I make enough mistakes on my own to reveal that I'm certainly not a perfect example, but when I have the ability to make decisions, I wanna make them in such a way that will point you to the Lord. 
I want to live my life like Paul to the best of my ability that I could say to you, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not a perfect man, but I do consider you when I'm making decisions. But not just you. I also consider your kids who are still developing. And whether you're in this church for one week or you've been here for many years, your kids look to the place of pastor as a place of authority, spiritual authority. Filled by an imperfect man, sure. But I don't want to stumble your kids and put into their minds that the things that I might choose to do, while they might be okay for me, they're not good for you, your kids. And now they're looking to pastor for some kind of decision, you know, some kind of example. And my example has been one where I don't even consider them. Because I see your kids every day. Uh, you know, they, every time we're in church, when I get a chance to go downstairs, I see you guys coming through. I get to see the kids in the school. I walk through their classes on Wednesday, high five them when we're having a meeting. They're walking through stuff, seeing us through, like, your kids matter, whether they're in the school, whether they're in the Sunday school. Listen, your life affects other people. And as what you're about to do, can it stumble other people? Can it stumble people that are closest to you? Obviously, you know, we can't think of the whole wide world. But what about the people in your relate, that are close relations to you? Where you want to be a good example to them. Sure, just because you can doesn't mean it's a wise decision. So yeah, you can rub poison ivy all over your body, but who does that? Who does that? Because you weighed out all of the, the considerations, the guy, I just don't want to feel that way. If we would only take the same care and concern with the things of the Lord, we'd make spiritual progress much faster. And we would find ourselves in a place, like in your spiritual life, church, you have to make up your mind. You've got to make the decision to live as closely to Jesus Christ as you possibly can. Not the decision, I mean, if you're here today, many people live the opposite, and they live this way. How close can I get to sin without sinning? Like, what can I do without? How can I, how much can I get away with before? If that's your attitude, you're in a bad place. Because your freedoms will be used in such a way to destroy your life. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The Bible says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And while much of the Bible is black and white, in the gray areas, here's the eighth question. How will this make me a more fruitful missionary in my community? I know we use the missionary to think of people overseas, but remember, the mission call of God is home, surrounding areas, and around the world. So we're all missionaries. We're all gonna leave in a few minutes into this world as believers in Jesus Christ to affect our world for the gospel. And we have our hands full here in the Western culture and being a missionary to a culture that's abandoned God, turned their back upon him. It's almost like a prophetic gifting that God gives us to speak the truth in a hostile culture. But how will this affect your brother? How will this affect your sister? Will it help or harm them? So much heartache would be avoided if this was more of a mindset among us, thinking of others first. So you'd make so many different decisions. 
if you would esteem others above yourself and not to try to get so close to sin without sinning. So turn your hearts toward the word of God, church. If you will just read the Bible and pray every day, you'll see immediate growth. You'll see changes like you wouldn't believe. And a lot of times people will ask, how do I know the voice of God? How, how do I know the voice of God? I'm gonna give you a surefire way to hear the voice of God anytime you wanna hear it. Anytime, all day, every day. You ready? Take your Bible, open it, and read it out loud. And you will hear the voice of God because these are the very words of God translated into English for us. And he will speak to you using your own voice. And I know reading is hard for some people. I realize that sometimes it's dyslexia, maybe a learning, learning challenge that you have and it's hard to read or others of you just don't like reading. You know, you, I'm a reader so I love reading but other people are not readers, they don't love to read and so there's challenges with reading. But listen, we live in such a technological age that you can download a free app on your phone, your iPad and you can have the Bible read to you. I mean, it's so easy. You download it, click it, and press the little arrow, and it'll read to you as long as you have it on. And so the word of God can be read to you. There's really no excuse for spiritual immaturity in our lives. And the fastest way to, to, to spiritual maturity, reading the Bible, praying, and obeying what you read. <laughs> Isn't that great? That should be very encouraging to you. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to learn every single word and become scholars, even if that's what God's call on your life is. That's great, but you don't have to. Just open the Bible, read it, do it. And then be thankful to God that he lives in you and empowers you to do it. God wants a mature church to rise up in these last days. And maturity can happen fast. It doesn't have to be forever like God can do a quick work in your life. He can give you quick victory. He can help you break habits quickly and show himself faithful with this word that's alive, speaking, helping, guiding us. Success or failure in the Christian life depends largely upon how much of the Bible and the word of God you get into your heart and life on a regular basis. You show me someone that's backsliding, someone that's drifting, someone that is dull to hear, and I'll show you someone that's not growing spiritually because they're not in the word. And I know you hear that time and time again that you might become even dull to that admonition, but listen, if, take me up on my challenge. Just read 10 minutes a day for seven days, and on the authority of God's word, God will speak to you 10 minutes a day, and then that word will be in your heart, and he'll use it later in the day, and you'll just be built. Just start in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. And just stop there. It's like, man, God wants to give blessings to his people. That's good to remember on a Monday morning when you're heading to work. It's probably not the most blessed place. Blessed is the man. And not just there. God's revealing his heart to you. I want to bless you, son. I want to bless you, daughter. I'm going to be with you. And then he begins to describe the person that's blessed is the person that's in the word. <laughs> that's rooted in the truth. And you just start going through the Psalms and... Man, the Lord will use them. So Father, thank you for the, 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 the opportunity to be reminded today of your goodness and your grace. And, and we don't want to be spiritually immature, Lord, that's for sure. Um, we want to grow. We want to find our strength in you. Uh, God, we want to be men and women that, 
no matter what age we are and how long we've been walking with you, that we start to grow, maybe for some start to grow again, that you would welcome the drifter, you would welcome the doubter, you would welcome the, the, the one that's dull and has been to your word. I know that there's time in our lives. There's time for everything that's important to us. And so I just ask God that you would make your word in our relationship with you important. That we would value it. And that we would be men and women that drawing near to you. And not really laying any heavy trips on ourselves or you know, living under condemnation, but rather just enjoying you and knowing that you have spoken. Um, even in the gray areas, you're ready to give wisdom. So Lord, we dedicate our time to you today and we head into the holidays. We know it's gonna be busy and running around, but man, I pray for everyone that's gonna have family coming in, maybe heading off to someone's fam- to a house, you know, and someone else that maybe there's friction or... There's difficulty and it, it causes this anxiety and frustration, Lord, that you would just be with them, that we might be messengers of the gospel, of the good news, that our liberties would be limited by our love for you and others, that, God, we would just walk in tandem with you like Jesus did. He, he abided in you as a man. He says he did, always did the Father's will. So I just pray for the family gatherings this week, the safe travels for those that will be on the road. That, God, you'd pour out your spirit on our, on our homes that we might be a witness and on our families, a witness to your graciousness and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.